Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,491. The harder you work, the luckier you get. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm a revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special returning guest here on Cars Yeah, Jeffrey Hacker. He'll be calling from Tampa, Florida. He was my guest number 132 way back in December 3rd of 2014. Today he's returning as a guest number 1,491. I guess I've spoken to a lot of people since he was last year. Jeffrey Hacker, PhD, is the founder of Undiscovered Classics and Forgotten Fiberglass. He has been called Captain Curiosity, and the author Tom Cotter, a past Cars yeah guest, titled Jeff, The Snipe Hunter, good title for him, in his book Corvette in the Barn. Jeff's a college professor, an automotive historian, a researcher, and most of all, an adventurer. He's the king of automotive barn finds, and he will go absolutely anywhere to uncover and bring back to life vehicles that many of us never knew existed or thought were long gone. He has shown cars from the lawn at Pebble Beach, where I last talked to him, to Amelia Island and many other Concours events. You'll find Jeff at his website, undiscoveredclassics.com. We'll be back in just a minute to talk to Jeff, but first, a word from our valued sponsors that make this show possible. We'll be right back. Hey, Cars Yeah! I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars Yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Jeff, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Good to have you here. Could you tell our listeners before I jump into some questions here, maybe just a little bit about yourself and a little bit about this amazing life you've created around these very unique cars? Well, it wasn't planned, the life. And it it started, um, it's not a long story. It can be a short one. (laughs) Um, I've always liked unusual cars. And my grandfather and uh, and my first car was a 1955 Cadillac when I was 14, kept it for 20 years. But my first unusual car was a car called the Shark, which I still have. 
got it in August of 1980, and I'm still friends with the people I bought it. It's basically a concept car made by a small company in Florida. And so that particular car and that interest, I've always held on to, you know, the unusual hand-built, handcrafted cars that small companies or individuals make because their story is untold. And it was such a big story in the 1950s. There were more, I think I've counted about 100 covers of magazines back in the 1950s that showed these kinds of cars, uh, which is actually more than the Corvette or more than the Thunderbird and so forth. So uh, it was really a, how can you not have great admiration, respect, and inspire, to use your word off the off your company, inspired by these guys who built and designed their own sports cars. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And as we go through this, you listeners, you're going to learn so much. And I really encourage you to investigate Jeff's website. We'll put links on his show notes page here on the Cars Yeah website, because what he's uncovered and what he is exposing and what he's sharing are really forgotten. And the fact that he's taken a lifetime of passion to bring them back to us, in many cases, restore them, find the original builders. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. It's a treasure trove of history, and we greatly appreciate what you're doing. Before I ask you this first question, would you tell our listeners maybe one little thing that very few people know about Jeffrey Hacker? Uh, I'm a juggler. A juggler. <laughs> well, you you have to be a juggler to deal with all the things that you deal with, but you're actually a juggler, right? The reason the reason is we moved to Florida when I was 17, and, and our horses at the time were in an orange grove. And I thought, God, I've got all these practice juggling things, and I should be. I actually taught myself to learn or learn my learn myself uh, just by working out how that was done. So, yeah, oh, no one cool. knows. It's uh, and actually, it's probably a good thing. Very few people know. Well, I think it's pretty funny. In fact, it's really weird because just yesterday we have these. They're wool balls that you put in your dryer that help kind of bounce around your clothes when they're drying. It's so I don't know where they came from, but. Um, I'm always trying to figure out how to juggle them. I can't juggle. I've never been able to juggle. I get frustrated too quickly, I think. But maybe next time I see you, I'll have you teach me how to uh, juggle three balls. I would be. <laughs> I will be happy to. There we go. Fun. All right. Well, as we continue on this journey, I want to start with a mantra or some kind of saying, maybe a success quote that has meaning for you and your life. Uh, it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So, Jeff, take the wheel. I have a couple from my from what we've been doing in the last 15, 20 years, but I think you're asking for something a little more global. The harder you work, the luckier you get, something like that. <laughs> I, I work really hard. I have a lot of good friends who help out who work really hard, too. And, and there's been a number of finds, like finding a, a concept car called the Chicago and the Curtis and others. How do you do this? And the answer really is perseverance. And the best way to get lucky is to get working hard. You know, I just did a show with a guest uh, over on a new podcast I'm doing with Keith Martin called Buy, Sell, Hold. And, and we talked about that. The guest was talk, kept saying the word lucky, lucky, lucky. And you listen to his life. And I said, you know, there's no such thing as luck. It's when opportunity collides with preparation is the way I like to put it. But yeah, you said it even more succinctly. Just work really hard. Be persistent. I mean, that's how I've gotten from where you were last on the show here. Up to 1,491 guests. I'm just, I guess, a crazy bulldog, kind of like you with what you're doing. I just keep plowing ahead no matter what. I'd like to apply to be the 2,000th and something guest. So if you could kind of mark your calendar, another 1,000 guests, and then put me down again. I'll do that. Absolutely. uh, I'll hold a spot. Any number you want. I have some guests that are really proud of their numbers, which is pretty cool. So uh, uh, we'll make sure we, we save one for you in the future here. I would love for you to share more with the listeners here about Undiscovered Classics, exactly what it is you do, the kind of things you do, how you do them. Uh, The story is incredible, and uh, it can be a a lifetime story here, but kind of walk us through those people that maybe haven't 
discovered you yet at undiscoveredclassics.com. What the undiscovered classics is the best term, and we, we created that term 15 years ago, but initially we started using it, uh, and it, we still have the brand Forgotten Fiberglass, to describe the number of cars that people designed and built themselves. You know, these days we look at custom cars and people, I mean, I love all cars and what they're doing, all enthusiasts, but these days it's much more about attachments or replacements of wheels and bumpers and so forth. But back in the early 50s, um, the story often goes that um, people were inspired by the cars they saw in Europe during World War II. Well, during World War II, the only thing moving in Europe was being shot at. So there weren't any cars to see during World War II. I think it's a bit of a misnomer. But after World War II, when Allies and America and other countries were helping rebuild Europe, then some of those things that were starting to be designed post-1946 were actually those things that they saw, like the Jaguar XK120 and the Porsche, which became the 356 and so forth. So if you wanted a sports car in America, you had to design it building yourself. The Corvette didn't come out until 53, the T-Bird in 55. There were Arnold Bristol's, other kinds of neat Nash Healy stuff, but very, very few and very expensive. But people were really, they were really uh, prepared skill level, prepared enthusiasm, you know, the optimism after World War II. And they were inspired by people who were building their own cars. Bill Tritt did it with Glasspar, and then they made a company, um, actually expanded his boat company to include cars for a few years. And there were several companies like that. And people were inspired to design their own cars and then build their own cars or buy a body from someone or build one out of metal. There are a number of different aluminum and metal and so forth. So Forgotten Fiberglass came out of that initial little story I told you where my first car was fiberglass that I still have. A scary car to drive. All these cars are scary to drive. Why are they scary to drive? Well, 57 Corvette's scary to drive. There's no safety protection. You know, a bicycle could go through the side. So you've got to keep in mind that these are more showpieces. You can have fun with them, but you really don't want to make them your daily driver. Um, and you wouldn't want to with anything fiberglass in the 50s because there's no side protection at all. But the story they tell, that's how this all began. I celebrate when I vacuum my house once a year. I use a leaf blower sometimes too if I'm really lazy. But I'm not. I, all my energy goes into this, these other aspects of documenting and finding and saving. And how do you not get inspired? And that's what you're asking about. How did this thing start and what it's about? It's about documenting the stories and the histories of these cars. Tom Cotter, um, just in January with Haggerty, put a barn find video on. They found an Allied, which had been something we, it was an Allied built um, back in the 1950s and raced at Bonneville with half a Duesenberg engine. It's pretty cool. So I called in, I, my friend who helped build it is 91 years old. They said, hey, they featured it on Tom Cotter. To be able to connect people with their past, tell people where the cars are, know that their history survived and they have a legacy in, in a little aspect of their life that may be in a fun time is terrific. To tell people and share with them, Rick Cannon and Dave Seeley, the guys who own the cars, I was uh, our team and myself was the one that said, hey, this is the one built by Kay Kimes. That's the genesis. That's the kernel. How do you not? I feel it's much more of a responsibility than it is um, you know, something that I do you know, to these people. You're definitely a passionate guy. And the fact that you're preserving this history, which is so important, because if you don't, it's long gone. People never know about it. And I know that the vehicles that I've seen that you're involved with, I just go, whoa, somebody actually thought that up and built it and made it. And then somebody went and drove it around. And you're right. I mean, I had a couple of fiberglass cars. I had a Beck Spider. And uh, you're right. Driving it, you don't feel very safe in that thing, especially with a big SUV bearing down on you. But they're so much fun. And, and they take you back in history, which is what you're doing, which is great. When did you realize that this is something you wanted to dedicate your life to? 
giving meaning to someone who's obsessive and compulsive, huh? I'm not sure I ever made that <laughs> choice that you're making. I mean, this isn't the first thing that I've helped document. I've got a extensive microphone collection. It's all about designer microphones and the ones that oh, were the largest. That's kind of cool for me being a podcaster. <laughs> that's yeah, neat. and it's uh, yeah. it's um, microphones from all over countries, and and I wanted to learn more about them and track them down and became knowledgeable about them and have a large collection that I started celebrating, but then got more involved into the Forgotten Fiberglass Undiscovered Classic world. I don't think it's ever a choice. I think I had, I mean, I love cars. You love cars. You can kind of tell the people that really like cars and design. And the path that the car research took me down, even with Kay Kimes, I never knew a Bonneville racer before. And now I know Bill Burke, who was the first guy who did the first wing tank became a friend of ours because of cars he built. And we built a tribute of the first wing tank with his help when he was 90. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's actually, that car is now on display and it's um, in Duarte, California, Los Angeles at mm -hmm. the um, Justice Brothers Museum. So you can see that. So a lot of the stuff that we restored there and a lot of the stuff that we've sold, they're, they're a one of ones or one of threes that were built and and they end up in museums, like a, a glass par that my friend um, Alan Mortlock and his wife bought years ago and restored just ended up in a museum, the Edge Museum. I think it's in Memphis, Tennessee is their premier car and you can read about that on the website. So we're connecting them all. And I guess another way of saying it very shortly, not, not using paragraphs, but sentences, um, is when we first kind of discovered this area. My buddy Rick and I, who sadly has passed away about three years ago, we were really excited, but there was no information, very little information about a Lancer that he had found and a Grantham Stardust I did. We didn't even know what the Lancer was at the time. And uh, we were, I remember as we became more knowledgeable in finding history about these cars, I hope someone is out there getting this history and getting this research besides us, because it's going to take an awful lot of work to do this properly. And I don't want it to be me. It was mm -hmm. a lot of work. I really because it would take it would take a lifetime to do this, or a good part of every of one's life. And it became me, which was fine. But there've been two or three times where you can only have uh, there's all it takes it consumes one's life between the shows, the events, and such. And and you need to make sure that it's um, worth it. And I think it's healthy to make sure it's worth it as well. To kind of ask Absolutely. That so yeah. so anyway, you, it wasn't one thing. It's, it's several different checkpoints, several different it's a style. Anyway, if you could pick. Um one thing about what you're doing with these vehicles that is your favorite part of the entire experience, what would it be? It's people. It's history, their lives. My uh, background, you mentioned that I was a PhD, something I don't share with too many people. But um, as first year I was studying as a student, one of my professors, who now is a friend of mine, is retiring, said, "It doesn't. your job is to help other people become more successful. Job's not to celebrate what you do. And uh, it wasn't just to me, but it was to our class. And and I've kind of taken that as a philosophy of life because Kay Kimes and others, unless we promote the significance of, how, of building your cars, Kay was the guy who did the Allied Age mentioned, but um, Merrill Powell from Victress, he, he was on your show not too much after I was, and you, you were very nice to kind of get an hour with him and share the history of the Victress Manufacturing Company. But Merrill, who's 90 this year, you know, here's another person, very little known, but achieved what was America's first fiberglass-bodied coupe that became race cars and sports cars uh, in the 50s. And no one's covering them. And uh, that's the one thing. It's uh, the car, the acquisition and restoration of cars was never planned. Most people have gone down the path of finding the lost Bugatti Cobra, whatever it is. And that was never my intention. I love cars. Um, I have a few Kaisers now. I love, love old, unusual cars. My intention was to enjoy the history and help preserve it and pass it on for the legacy of those folks. 
And that's what we continue to do with our website, Undiscovered Classics. That's what we've done with the shows that we go to. We have handouts when we go to shows, and it looks like we're hawking something. It's actually, we're just sharing the history, putting it on the website, getting it into um, sharing it on shows like yours, and you're kind enough to do that as well. And I think that's, uh, that is Undiscovered Classics with a business feature as well, which has to maintain it. It's not a trust fund thing, but now that now we've been doing more of that the last few years is is putting things out in a business arena. So um, cool. anyway, that's very a, cool. So. Yeah. Well, it's noble indeed. I would love for you to take a, a walk down uh, some of these uh, roads you've been down with us and share a big, big challenge you faced or even a big failure that you faced. And I, I ask guests to bring this up, not so much to dwell up something that might have been painful in the past, but more importantly, to share it so that you could tell those listeners out there who might be going through a similar situation what the benefit was of that experience, the learning benefit, and then how you came out positively on the other side. So take us down that journey, would you? Yeah, I, I had to use, I could use a car. I, I could use a number of different things you can do. It's really about that key thing that I asked, you asked me about perseverance, hard work, the luckier you get. And lucky is not exactly the, the best term for it, but the harder you work, the more you achieve, you know, and you, and you own in on your, your goals. The Lee Alliance, which, which is where I met you in, uh, again in 2015 um, at Pebble Beach. The Lee Alliance Custom Mercury is a great example. We have a lot of examples. Like how many people start out and, yeah, I, I'm not a car builder. I don't know how to weld. I'm a pretty good project manager from things that I've done in my life. And that's, that's turned out to be a good skill. But, you know, we took on in very early on building a belly tank from scratch. Well, that's not based on all the cars that my team and myself have built. We built none. Had to go out and find teams that wanted to participate. And in fact, the entire build team that built the belly tank back in 2007 and eight, and we put it on the salt in 2009, um, they went with us to Bonneville, including people, you know, so that it's not just my experience and my teams, but that my team is everyone who participates. And whether we, uh, I think Mick Walsh from Classic and Sport Car says, I always have an entourage which is funny because that's not me. I always have a group of people who are involved with the projects. Often those people are more excited and uh, participating because we give them the entree to show what they've done and who they and meet people and, and learn about their history with this car in a, in a setting. So it really goes back to perseverance. I don't have that loss, you know, something negative. I have things that take way more time than you would guess. And the Leo Lions was kind of amusing to me because Leo Lions Custom Mercury, we found this car in, I think it was 2013. We ended up in, uh, I, there's a chronology of it on the website, but I think it was 2013. It could have been 2012. It was on Custom Rama website for sale. It was a cover car. And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to drive around in a big steel, at least if someone's going to hit me, you know, at least it's out of steel. And uh, it's a 1960 February car craft, I think it was, or cover car. And so we made a deal with a person, very nice person to buy it. No one wanted it. It was this big thing. I needed total restoration. And within a, a few weeks, I'd already tracked down Leo Lyons, who built the car. And George Barris, who he and his brother, uh, Sam Barris, were involved in the car as well. It was built at the same time the Golden Sahara was built back in around 55. It was a 10-year build for Leo, is what it was, and it finished in 59. So we got this car. It's a steel car. I'm known for not steel. I have aluminum steel cars, but they take a lot, another whole different skill set. And everyone said, please don't buy this car. You're not going to be able to get it done. And I'm like, well, the history of the car and the, we found the guy, he's 80 something. We found, you know, George, we had known from other projects and he was willing to participate. And uh, George had taken pictures of the car for the magazine, still had those. And his son, Brent, uh, 
Brett was willing to share those. And, and all of us were teamed together, all these people. And George was there in Pebble when we debuted the car in 2015. Leo had sadly passed away and so forth. So all these people participate from an ongoing basis. How do you keep something that on track for a year and a half is the challenge. And you have mechanical and you've got upholstery and you have, you know, you have, you have to find the right people. And we have people here who do it, but we had to bring in new people. What I, what I didn't, and, and during the way Auto Week, I was kind enough, they wanted to cover the run-up, actually the restoration of the car. They've done some projects with us before in terms of uh, writing stories about cars that we had at Curtis and a belly tank and some others. So um, Graham Kozak, who still writes from Auto Week, decided that um, you know, he wanted to cover the Leo Lions for the reasons we thought uh, it was an important car. And during the process, it got accepted at Pebble. So it was very interesting. It was a documentation, 10 different stories on Auto Week over about a year of us getting the car ready to debut at the very place, Mark, that I saw you last at Pebble Beach. And what I didn't know is we got this all done. And the 10 different stories, and, and if you follow the timelines, it's really amazing because we got things done in, in weeks, not years. And we had the car ready, and, and we offered Auto Week to drive it onto the lawn that morning, which they did. Graham Kozak did. He wrote a nice little piece about that, too. But the night before, and this is the piece, the night before, um, we're, we're, they always have get-togethers at you know, the, the Pebble Beach is on Sunday, and so people have different get-togethers. We sponsor ours, and where do we always stay? Gilroy, the capital of the garlic in the world. <laughs> yeah, the garlic Gilroy, capital It's as world, close yeah. as we can uh, where, we, where we go. So um, Gilroy is about an hour away. So we had, the, we had the biggest Pebble Beach party in Gilroy, California. That's yep, cool. Because it's the That's only cool. one. But yeah. actually, we had magazines there and friends and so forth because we're pretty low-key. I said, okay, we're here with pizzas. We were in the parking lot. We had a tent set up. It was a lot of fun. And I, I was shocked to know this. I asked all the people there, from the magazines to the restoration teams to the people who were involved in the car back in the day, how many people did you think we could do this? We could pull this off. And uh, I think my friend Kyle Feller, who's like one of our interns at the time, was the only person who thought we could do this. Everyone else, to my shock, said had no idea that we could, including the Auto Week team. The Auto Week team just thought it would be another one that never. And he actually, if you go back on our website and read, what Graham Kozak's words are. They're very kind, and they talk about what we do like this, uh, our teams and myself. The answer is, I, when you said loss, I never thought of loss because it was kind of an interesting thing to me. I was, I was perplexed that all of my friends who know me thought we wouldn't be able to get it done. And it wasn't about throwing money at it. It was about coordination, project management, and choosing the right people. And then there's other little techniques, but it wasn't about we piled all our gold together and smelted it. It wasn't that, about that at all. So um, I was perplexed at the a loss because everyone else was thinking loss. And I just never, and, and the best I can tell you is I, I knew what we needed to get done. And we organized our time, material, and money in a way that that time frame would be met. And we overcame obstacles along the way, which there were many. We had to make a hood from scratch. And there was a car that was all leaded and all that had to be recreated. So I never thought about that we couldn't do it. I just knew that we had to. So I don't know if that, it's, I hope it's a longer story than you wanted, but that was kind of how we do things. And we're doing something like that right now, which you'll see. We found one of the oldest hot rods in America. It's called the Sunflower State Speedster. Um, and it was done by um, Robert Daniels back in 1949. And we found the family. Robert since passed away. Found, my friend Joel Driscoll found it in a ditch in Texas. And 
was trying to ID it, but knew it was a handmade body, and he ID'd the car. We have terrific people. I mean, if I was good as some of these people on our teams, and he and now are our partners on the car. And again, another thing is not enough there to work on it, but you can read about it. When Discovery Channel found out about it, they shipped the car and myself to um, be on a show called Sticker Shock last year, or maybe 18, I think it was 2018, but it could have been last year. So we were talking about the history of one of America's earliest surviving hot rods and how we are going to restore it. And you can read about the restoration and it should be done this year. So Very cool. Kudos to you. Yeah, yeah, kudos to you and your team. That was fantastic. Let's take a short break, thank our sponsors, and we will be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, I have a bit of an introspective question for you, Jeff. Uh, I want to go into a scary place. I'm going to go inside your brain here for a minute, okay? And I want you to tell me the answer to this question. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, you were actually manifested as a vehicle, what would Jeffrey Hacker be and why? Oh, I don't know. I, I would be something. I it, mine, mine always is a tribute, and it's not so much a tribute. I just I look at the periphery of life, the things that everyone else isn't doing. And there may not be success in all of those periphery areas, but I, I like unique things. And it's harder to do that these days, isn't it? Um, there's far more conformity and things are much more... Things are becoming very vanilla. 
Yeah, take a look at the, I mean, in the 60s, you look in 70s, 80s, you look out in the street and cars were different colors. And now I'm just looking at the ones going out, they're gray and white, beige and <laughs> tan and white. Boring. And so it could just be something different. It could be, it could be any of the cars I have. Strange things. Take a look at the Galileo, a, a bizarre car that'll make you laugh and cry at the same time. It was done in 1957. Gullwing doors and all. It's a crazy car. I mean, it doesn't have to be crazy. It could just be something unique that would be to find the person. And, and I would hope that everyone's answers would want to be something unique. And, well, but that, but I'm asking you the question. So I'm going to push you here. You got to pick one car that you think of yourself as being just today, just for this moment. It could change tomorrow, and I'm sure it would. I don't have a. The problem is I don't have a favorite car, which is a different version. No, no, of the same this question. isn't favorite. This is how you perceive yourself. So let me give you a little inspiration here. Many of my guests who feel that they are very hard workers say, "I'm a Ford F-150 truck. Nothing fancy. I just keep her done." Uh, or I'm a Hummer. I like to just plow through things and just wipe everything else when I come into a room. So. I've got to think that Jeffrey Hacker is going to be something very unique, very different, one-off. What is it? In your explanation there, I'm a bulldozer. Okay. I there don't, you go. I don't stop. And uh, I don't stop in terms of finding out information. Sometimes <laughs> it right. takes 10 years. Um, one of the cars I recently wrote about is called the Fraser Custom. Dan Stroll and I from Hemmings were tracked it. We found a picture of it, and it was a modern relativity picture of this car, black and white. I thought it was Packard-based. Ten years later, eight years later, we found another picture, and currently I own the car. We had it at three different shows last year. It's called the Fraser Custom. Cool. I don't stop. So the, <laughs> if you're go. asking about what embodies me, then it's nothing about being one-off. It's the fact that I don't stop. There you go. I got it out of you. It takes a little time sometimes, but I got there. All right, Jeff, we are entering what I call the last lap. This is kind of a lightning round, so I'm going to ask for short, quick answers here. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some of those quick blips of that dozer throttle, if you can do such a thing. So here we go. Would you share one of your personal, this kind of relates back to the answer to the last question, one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? It's perseverance, which we've covered. Um, yeah, it, it permeates everything I do. So Yeah. If I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? <laughs> Gordon Burek. Ah, and why Gordon? Uh, when I was, uh, always loved cars before I moved down here at age 17. I was a bellman when I moved down here because I wanted to work on the beach. Guess how I got that job? By continuing to go back there, they said, look, if you're going to come here every week, you might as well work here. I wanted to work on the beach when I, we moved from Chicago. And I worked there for seven years. I actually worked there in high school, all of college, and part of graduate school, seven years. I have a website on the hotel now because it's been destroyed. Uh, and uh, I, I have memories that people share on that website, the Facebook page. All right. So Gordon Beery shows up one day. I've met all sorts of really famous people there. And I was 18, 19, 20. I couldn't talk to people. I was, you know, 18, 19, 20. I, years later, I was a much better speaker. So I, I usually as a bellman, you greet the person, welcome, and you look at their luggage tag and see who they are and greet them by their name. And at age 18, 19, I knew it was Gordon. It's like Gordon Burek. And the other reason is there was a cord sitting out there in the morning. Of course, I knew what a cord was, 36, 37, 8, 10, 8, 12. And a company here was reproducing them in full size, a very limited number. And all of a sudden, Gordon shows up, and I know who that is. And I wish I could talk with him just to say hi, <laughs> because I never did as a kid. And it was my, and I met all sorts of people there. And I, of course, I didn't talk to them in detail either. But 
I always thought that'd be really neat just to say hi and spend some time. Him, Alex Tremulus would be another one. I know they're the family, but not not never had a chance. Those jumped to mind. Those would be great. How about the best automotive advice you've ever received? Choose a different type of car because they'll easier, Jeff. <laughs> How about a resource for those listeners out there that you've found really successful? Um, Hemmings and All Cars Weekly, the two stalwarts for this hobby, um, have been very impressive and very supportive, more than I ever could have expected for myself. I can't imagine what they do for people whose questions they can answer quickly, you know, as opposed to how many glass parts did they make, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I am a resource for them, but they have been a resource for me and could, and, and by their very actions, old cars weekly, Angelo Van Bogart is the person that helps there and, and Dan Stroll and his team and Hemmings, Richard Lenantello. Um, I can't imagine better resource for people in terms nice. of those two. Absolutely. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading? I love Tom Cotter's books. And yes, I'm in them, three of them. And you can find them on the website. That's not why I like them. I met Tom Cotter because of his books. They're wonderful compendiums, short stories, just filled with all these short stories that inspire the people. I was inspired by his first book, which I wasn't in, called Corvette, uh, Cobra in the Barn, right? Cobra in the Barn. Yeah, the Cobra in the Barn. And the, yeah. In there, and I have a whole story about this, is the story about the Moon Transporter car that I have. And I hope to start restoring here. And the Moon Transporter was a vintage, or not a vintage, a race car transporter built to emulate and surpass in style and speed the Mercedes Blue Wonder, the Mercedes One Car Transporter from the mid-50s. It was done by Norton. Camp and Troutman and Barnes and so forth. I found out about that in Tom Cotter's books. He's written so many, I haven't read them all. We're in three of them, but uh, there's far more than that. At the same time that I say persevere and spend all the time in detail and so forth, I also like feel I'm a champion of attention deficit disorder. I love short stories. That's what Tom Cotter's books are, all short stories on his different travels and who he meets. And they're never about Tom. They're all about all these different people. I was inspired reading Cobra in the Barn, his first book. I think it's 2006 when it came out because it had, so much of the book is about his friend who's now a friend of mine, Bill Warner. And I couldn't believe that Bill had found so many cars over the years of such significance. I tell Bill this when I talk to him each time. But uh, it really is. That first book inspired me. The first book's easy to read. All the books are easy to read. They're fun. That's the books. I mean, those are the ones I like. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find uh, Tom Carter has been a guest actually here on Cars Yeah Twice. He was here with Bill Warner when they went down to Cuba and wrote a book about the cars down there. Uh, you can find everything that Jeff has shared with us here today on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Jeffrey, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, Hacker, H-A-C-K-E-R, and that page will pop up. All right, we're almost there. We're up to the checkered flag here, Jeff. This last question can be a bit of a doozy, and it's going to be a very difficult one, perhaps for someone like you that has just a few cars in your barn. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today. It doesn't matter where it is or who owns it. I'm going to park it in your garage there in Tampa, Florida. But there are some rules to my game if I'm going to do this for you. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. And that little trick's off the table. I want you to drive it. No garage queens allowed around here. But here's the kicker. It's the only one cool collector car you can have. That means you can only have one car besides your daily driver. What can I buy you today? What if I own it already? Well, that's even better because, uh, you know, I've written so many checks. I'm getting a little lean in my checking account here. So which one is it? I like the the Gushan Streamliner was my dream car that I own. And it's an aluminum Streamliner car from the future from 1930s. Just it's Dymaxine wasn't the only teardrop car built. Uh, they built three of those. 
Um, and Dimaxing was a fuselage car with tremendous engineering from the genius Buckminster Fuller. The reason I was interested in teardrop cars in the 30s was because my mom's professor at Southern Illinois University was Bucky Fuller. <laughs> and I knew a lot about him and actually met him when I was tiny, tiny. I have almost no memories of him, but he was building geodesic domes in Carbondale, Illinois. So I became fascinated with the teardrop cars, and I own that one. It's not the Moon Transporter. It's probably my favorite car. I mean, if you bought me a Dimexane, it's I would still air toward the cars that people don't know that the stories remain to be told. It's not uh, if you were asking me about what would be a super fun car to have and keep it be like a 1937 Packard convertible dual coffee, that'd be fun. Well, I always like it when my guests already have the cars they want because that means you you've reached that ultimate pinnacle. Because I'll tell you, out of 1,491 people I've interviewed here on Cars, yeah, not many have the car that they'd like to just keep. So that's a very special thing. Uh, it's a very special car. I knew it'd be something kind of sense this to be something that you already have because uh, you're such a tremendous uh, finder of these cool things. Listeners, well, actually, let me start by asking or, or saying to you, Jeffrey, thank you for taking us on another great ride. You and I could talk for hours and hours and hours. Really enjoyed this. I want to thank you for sharing your journey, and I want to encourage the listeners to go and check out undiscoveredclassics.com. It is a tremendous wealth of history knowledge. Uh, Jeff's the kind of guy that's very approachable. You can reach out to him, ask him questions, learn things from him. He is happy to share and connect people. That's the key here. Again, you can find everything on his show notes page on the Cars yeah! website. Jeffrey, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your incredible life. Until you and I talk again, maybe on a Concord lawn, I hope, I'll see you down the road. Thank you again for the opportunity, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners. This is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah! podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Cars Yeah!